And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I had a good weekend. had a, some family in town, tons and tons of family stuff. Um, as per usual, the holidays are, in fact, upon us. Uh, hey, and the, the Steelers beat the degenerate Cleveland Browns as well, so that, that put me in a very good mood yesterday. So, yeah, I'll, uh, very fun. Very fun podcast today. I was joined by Shoshana Weissman from the R Street Institute. Uh, and yeah, we, we covered a lot of ground. We talked um, talked some op- occupational licensing reform. We talked criminal justice reform. We talked free markets generally and what the, the good folks over at RSI have going on. And yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. We talked some shit, you know, covered a lot of ground. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Shoshana, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, or wherever the hell else you get your podcasts. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, here's my chat with Shoshana Weissman. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with Shoshana Weissman from R Street Institute. Shoshana, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So it's it's your first time on the show. I, I don't know why I haven't reached out to you before. You're one of my favorite people on Twitter. Um, I, I want to oh, tell you, thank you, you do have one of my favorite Twitter accounts. It's like a blunderbuss of memes, actual serious policy discussion, <laughs> uh, you know, publicly calling out creepy ass dudes who slide into your DMs. It's kind of like a mix of like a whole bunch of entertaining stuff. So I want to lead off by just saying, keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. I have a lot of fun. I just learned like once I just started doing whatever the fuck I want, people seem to like it. So I figured out, oh, okay, so I'm just going to do that now. <laughs> there you go. Sloths also are uh, frequent flyers on your, uh, on your Twitter account. Oh Yeah. So uh, that's understandable. It's understandable. I mean, I, I would probably pick a different animal. I'm a big animal lover, but you know, I don't really. Sloths are kind of creepy looking. They kind of give me the heebie-jeebies, but I, I mean, they're kind of cool, I guess. But um, all right. So you you write and talk a lot about occupational licensing reform, and I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that. I'm a libertarian. I'm 100 percent on board. Um, but that's probably not a topic I've ever talked about on the podcast before because I don't think the audience is too interested in it. So for the uninitiated, you wake the people up, Shoshana. Give us your Mount Rushmore. A few examples. Think like Rand Paul. You know how he does the uh, his year-end review of government spending and waste? He'll be like, oh, your taxpayer dollars went to funding a resort for polar bears in Sweden or some shit, right? Like, it'll be this ridiculous, egregious stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, what's a few examples? Your Mount Rushmore of egregious, ridiculous government overreach on the topic of occupational licensing. So there's a, a couple of examples I always love. Um, there's, I think my top one is always going to be the Louisiana florist license, where um, you actually have to have an occupational license if you want to arrange and sell flowers. Um, so that's definitely high up there. Another one is the fortune teller license. 
Um, it's mostly localities rather than states. You actually have to have an occupation license to tell fortunes, um, which makes zero sense. And then um, another one I do really love is the, um, the, so, you know, you can understand maybe wanting a license if people are getting real medical diet advice, you know, working with doctors, stuff like that. All right. I'm, I'm open there, even though I think that there, there's a lot of room to, to not do that with a license, but in reasonable ways. But um, nutritional licenses and dietetics licenses, um, it makes it so that if you give any diet advice at all in certain states, um, then you, um, sorry, if you give any diet advice at all, you know, it, it, it's a crime, like it, it's against the law. So there was a woman in Florida who's a military spouse. She like moves around a ton, stuff like that. Um, and, and it, it, you know, it really hurts mobility because when you move to state, from state to state, your license doesn't follow. Um, so because of that, when she started giving diet advice along with her physical training, um, they did sting operations. The board literally did sting operations on her in Florida. Um, meanwhile, there were like unlicensed um, surgery clinics happening. No, 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 no. Let, let's put the resources towards the, the woman giving diet advice without a license. No harm done. There was nothing wrong happening. No, like. You know, and they could sue if she caused actual harm, just like anyone. But th that one always gets me. So I try to remind people when it comes to that license, hey, like, OK, maybe you could see it in certain circumstances. But if it's the quality that like moms give to kids or you can Google, why is it illegal if I tell you and you give me money in a certain stage? All right. So a lot to unpack there. Um, I've given diet advice on this podcast, so maybe I should, you know, lock my doors. But um. <laughs> How does one, how would one obtain a license to be a fortune teller? Like, how do you, like, how do you pass that test by, like, successfully predicting the future or something? Like, I don't even, I don't even know how you would go about giving yeah. out that license. To my knowledge, you just have to pay a fee and fill out a form. <laughs> but if you don't do that stuff, then you can be, like, you know, then it's against the law to tell fortunes for money, which is obviously insane because fortune telling is fake. Nothing wrong with that if people want to pay for that. But, um, but yeah, like how, how's the government going to know? It was so egregious. It, I wish they didn't make, I wish government didn't make me so mad all the time because, you know, we want our doctor's license. There's even opportunity for licensing reform, at least modestly at first with lawyers, but there's so much that's really, really dumb. And like, people don't know all the ridiculous things that have to be licensed or all the, uh, all their hurdles that, uh, legitimate licenses that they have to jump through. Um, like the, the amount of licensing that goes into being a barber is insane. Yeah. And, and, and am I correct on this, that, uh, you can't even become a barber if you're a convicted felon, at least in a lot of States. Like if you're, yeah, it depends on the state. Um, the, um, sorry, it, it does vary by state. Um, one of the issues is like, in certain states, it's like a good moral character clauses, which, you know, you might think, oh, I want someone with only good moral character doing things. But it, it can mean anything. It doesn't mean like it can mean someone you don't like. There's no real legal definition. So it means whatever they want it to mean. So, OK, maybe if someone like has a record of being a really, really bad barber and harming people, maybe you don't want them to be a barber in the future. But like if someone stole something and went to jail, then they can't ever work again in a loop profession like that's what it's saying um so there are people who come out of jail where they learned to um you know to cut hair they learned that trade in prison so they could come out and, and do well for themselves but guess what uh they can't do that because of the um 
the mismatch between the training in prison and what they do when they come out, which shouldn't be a thing anyway. Um, you see this in California, too, with firefighters. The people fighting the fires are often inmates. And when they get out, they can't be firefighters. What? Which is really, yeah, it's really sadistic. Um, that's just, I'll, that's I'll, I'll just, other that's just evil. I mean, I don't even understand, oh, yeah. like, what, I don't even understand the thinking. I mean, on most status programs, I can, at least, I, I disagree, but I can at least see the reasoning behind it to some extent. But I don't even know what the hell the, the goal so in California, if you're if you are convicted felon, you're not allowed to become a firefighter. Like I don't even understand like yeah. the the rationale yeah. behind it at all. There's none um, because it works fine in other states. Um, and, and you know I'm I'm always very open to common sense reforms if there's real danger. But even even where you might think that there's some rationale, there's none. Um, there was a woman who was a prostitute like 10 years before um, she she reformed. She was fine. She wanted to become a radiologist. She looked into the um, the, uh, the the training for it, like what it takes to become a radiologist. And thankfully, before she went through all the training, she found out through a friend that she could never become a radiologist because prostitution is a sex crime. And we can reasonably see how, you know, if someone has the history of abusing someone that um, that we might not want them to be alone with patients at least for a specified amount of time um until they've gone crime free stuff like that I, you know i'm very open to reasonable stuff like that but this wasn't that this was oh well i'm just going to stop her from doing something she cares about even though she hasn't committed a crime and she never harmed anyone and, and you know there, there's an argument to be made that prostitution hurts the prostitutes more than you know of, the clients of course yeah. um so there's there's just all these mismatches and good moral character is the worst of them because is it's not like even tying a specific crime or type of crime. And even where you might think there's some tie, there's often not. It's just, oh, well, this sounds like a bad thing rather than, well, is there a connection? But, you know, the law and order era really brought this because you have all this, oh, well, they don't deserve this. And we punish them for the rest of their lives, even though they've served their punishment. And sure, if we're not punishing them enough or doing things right in prison, let's change that. Let's, you know, change the sentencing or whatever, even though it tends to be over done um to begin with um but but these cases are just awful you know people who get out and they're living their lives and can't just because we don't want them to live their lives i'm going to jump on uh criminal justice reform real quick briefly um because you were you were mentioning you know how how inmates getting out can't it's it's illegal for them to find work in, in a lot of these professions which is ridiculous but uh i uh I, I part ways with I'm more of a libertarian over the years. I'll get into each one of our kind of political ideologies more generally in a minute. But like I, uh, I I'm becoming more and more libertarian over the years. Like I kind of started off as a traditional conservative and now I'm I'm essentially philosophically an anarchist. But I'm not. A, I, I vote, you know, and I participate in our Republican everything. I'm not an anarchist, but uh, I don't know if there's that many things that would differentiate me from an, an anarchist. Right. You know, my views of the utility of the state generally. But so I part ways with like, you know, 80 percent of fellow conservatives on criminal justice reform. I mean, we can kind of start, I suppose, with the uh, the first step act that was signed into law what a, a, a year and a half ago now. Um, and, and most conservatives absolutely yeah. hated it. And they said, well, look, you know. A lot of people that haven't been in prison long enough are going to get out. And I, I keep telling them over and over, yeah, no shit. Like, yeah, yep, there's going to be unintended consequences. I don't care. I would assign, if I were the president, I would assign it anyway because I view prison uh, very simply as, as what it is, a, a steel cage owned by the government where they can 
throw people in and lock the key for however long they want. Um, and if an innocent man gets out and somebody that has served some time but maybe not quite enough time uh, also gets out, that sucks. But that I'm willing to, I will pay that cost. Like that is a cost I'm willing to pay. I think it's worth it. Um, so kind of where were you on on the First Step Act and, and criminal justice reform more generally? Because I'm pretty radical libertarian on, on criminal justice reform, and it really pisses off half my audience <laughs> and a lot of my fellow conservatives. That's funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, libertarian on it. Um, my organization works on it a lot, and I've learned a lot here. Um, they've changed my mind, and, and it was my decision to change my mind. It wasn't like, oh, I'm working here, so I'm going to do this. It's just... It's really compelling. A lot of the stories I've heard and the problems and the data, you know, um, because I don't believe in anecdotes to change policy. But if those anecdotes can give uh, personality to the existing data. So we helped work on the First Step Act. We're in a big coalition with Right on Crime and other people um, who do that kind of justice reform work from the right side. Um, I mean, if you look at the data, just a lot of it isn't there to show that this tough on crime stuff works. And of course, we want to punish people and and just incentivized but like in too many cases the justice system just punishes and then lets people out saying oh you're, you have to go be a good citizen now after we've just put them in harmful um you know environments one thing we're really big on is pell grants for prisoners including death row because it shows a huge return on investment you know i'm generally not one for like any free education stuff i i worry a lot about that right, right. but um just as a personal nerdy libertarian it's not something our street works on but um but after looking at the data i forget exactly what it is but it's like when we give pell grants for prisoners we end up saving like five times as much in recidivism costs going down um even in prisons themselves they, it makes it safer which is why we want it for death row inmates and you know people and lifers and whatever because basically it, it changes the behavior when they when they put their minds in something when they're learning um and when they're doing something productive it really changes the environment it makes it safer um and you know everyone contributes to the environment. So maybe someone's in for life, maybe someone's in for a few years, but if they're both behaving better, they're going to have good effects on each other. And all this ends up saving taxpayer money, which is, you know, the bottom line I care about. And also that it makes our community safer, where it's all that stuff to me is a worthwhile investment. Um, and there's lots of other things too that I learned, like how we shackle pregnant women, which is insane, um, you know, causing them stress during pregnancy unnecessarily. You know, if they're violent, it's one thing, but a lot of times this is just unnecessary. Um, we also, in too many states, try kids as adults, and it shows that it harms them and takes away their second chances. Um, a, lot, a lot of that really concerns me that we shouldn't, you know, we basically, if data is showing us that when kids are in kid prison rather than adult prison, they're being abused less, they're, um, they're having better outcomes, we should just be doing those things. So for me, it's all about the data showing this stuff works, and that's kind of how we follow it. And, and even with, when it comes to bail, making sure that that it's about um, punishing behavior, not poor people. So we shouldn't be keeping people in jail just because they can't pay a fine. We should be keeping people there because they're dangerous. Stuff like that. Um, I, I've gotten really into realizing how, um, you know, richer people can get away with stuff and then we punish poor people. And even if they're innocent, they can lose their livelihood if they're awaiting trial for so long in jail. There's so much injustice in the system that, you know, I, I just, I, I want more due process and I want the, the, uh, means to fit the ends, which for a really long time it happened. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with all that. And see, maybe I, I should work for a, 
a think tank for six months or something so I can really dig into the the details on on the policy points because my my philosophy. I, I almost sound like a, a leftist in, in this regard, where I, I, I almost go I almost go to like the the moral argument, not the policy argument. You know, I uh, I on criminal justice reform, for example, I'm like, look, I don't think anything should be a crime that doesn't violate the non-aggression principle. I really don't. I mean, if, oh yeah, I mean, you know, so anything. I'm I, there too. I, I believe heroin should be legal. I believe prostitution should be legal. I believe anything, unless you're threatening violence or bringing violence upon somebody who hasn't threatened or brought violence upon you first. I don't think there's a crime there, at all. And so I don't. I don't really think there are very many white collar crimes that should be prosecuted. I, I don't. I just don't believe in any of that. So it's like it's uh. And I know a lot of conservatives, traditional conservatives. I. I drive them crazy when I say this because they don't want to hear it, you know, but I, I just, that's kind of my worldview, you know, and they always ask why. And I say, well, because, you know, it's the same reason why I'm, 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 I'm not a Ron Paul non-interventionist on foreign policy, but I'm pretty damn non-interventionist. And, you know, a lot of conservatives don't like that either. And when they ask me why, it's the same way, the same reason why I'm pro criminal justice reform, because I view it, call me a simpleton. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm a simple, I'm a simple man, Shoshana, but I, I view, prison as what it is a steel cage run by the state you know i view war as what war is the slaughtering of human beings human souls uh and so i i when you view things in kind of a simple-minded fashion and view the world for what it is not what you want it to be uh i i don't know like it i'm inching closer and closer to you know, one of those annoying anarchist libertarians by the day, sometimes by the hour, if that, if that makes sense. So, like, because I, I mentioned this before I hit record, but I, I basically didn't have much time to prepare for this podcast. So I, I kind of want to just talk more philosophical stuff instead of, like, news of the yeah. day points. But, like, on occupational licensing, on criminal justice reform, on, on free markets generally, you know, you got you work for a free market think tank. Like where and there's a lot of diversity of thought, which is great over at R Street, too. And I really appreciate oh, yeah. that. Um, but kind of where are you like on a scale of the traditional conservative, like, a, I don't know, Ted Cruz or a, a traditional conservative commentator like a Ben Shapiro or whatever, who probably wants to reduce the size and scope of the state by 35 percent. Right. To the other end of the scale, a radical like myself that wants to reduce the size and scope of the federal government by to put a number on it, 91.7%. Okay, I don't know. Whatever. Um, yeah. So, like, kind of, where is your worldview? Like, how do you view free markets? How do you view the world? What? It, how would you just... I don't mean, like, who you voted for. I don't give a shit who you vote for. But, like, what would you describe your overall politi- political ideology as? So, um, going going off of, like, like more, more pop culture people, which is helpful because it, it helps with a frame of reference. I think um, from least well-known to most well-known, I'd start like um, when it comes to, to how I view constitutionality, it's always Professor Randy Barnett um, at Georgetown University. He's, he's my favorite person. He's, he's great. He, yep. Yeah. I, it's funny. I disagree with him constantly in politics, but when it comes to the test of what's constitutional, everything presumption of liberty, I'm all there. Um, then Clark Neely, um, who's at Cato, He's awesome. Um, and he's a little easier to understand for people who are kind of new to that stuff. But then um, honestly, John Stossel, rarely will I disagree with him every now and then, but he's probably the closest and most well-known person um, to like where I kind of am philosophically. Um, you know, the, there's really not many 
many politicians that honestly embody the things I like. Um, Justin Amash gets there a lot, and I have a lot of respect for his integrity. I still don't think we're we're quite the same, but um, but I think that we we come pretty close there. Um, for me, it's you know I would basically legalize everything, but for for harder drugs, I would probably want to. Um, want to test it over time. Like I'd want to do smaller tests, see what happens if we open it up a little, a little more, um, because I am sympathetic to all the issues that drugs can cause too. And I don't want to, um, you basically government's already inserted itself there. If we're going to uninsert ourselves, like I think it still has to be done delicately. Um, but I'm very for a legalization of like all marijuana. I know plenty of people who say they're not and they smoke and I'm like, this is idiotic. Like, <laughs> it, you know, you're not special. And also you're kind of an idiot it too. No, I have friends who say that I just disagree there. And I think it it can be a bit elitist at times. Um, For harder drugs, though, I just know that it has a different kind of impact on people. Um, But yeah, like I I would cut a lot of government, like a lot of it. It, It's just so much of it is duplicative, unnecessary. It doesn't make any sense. Um, So I'm I'm probably more, um, more comfortable with getting lots of getting rid of lots of stuff than most people. Um, I thought Ben Sass and I were pretty close, but lately it just I don't know I like him a lot and I respect him I just don't think he's right on on as many things as I once did but uh Governor Ducey in Arizona is pretty great and we don't agree all the time either but we're probably like 90 percent of the time and he sees things through a very different scope but it kind of comes to the same outcomes um but it's nice because at our street I have colleagues who are like far left Democrats who like one of my colleagues signed a letter against Kavanaugh um the Yale letter while I went to his hearing to just like have fun and like you know where we're humans we're not yelling at each other she's awesome to work with I have another colleague who's a militant pro-choice person as she described herself well I'm like super super pro-life though not always in law but it's nice to have colleagues who I can kind of understand their perspective better I still inch more and more libertarian over time although I am open to safety nets within reason but for me, I think a lot of it also comes down to evidence. The evidence shows that like less government tends to work or even when you have it, lighter touches or I don't know, it's just government doesn't use evidence enough in its policymaking. And when it does use it, it, it tends to lean smaller and more efficient, um, sometimes bigger, too. Like we were trying to get more expertise into Congress um, because it really, really needs it. Or even people who kind of can acquire and 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 gather ex- relevant expertise. Um, because that's something that's really lacking in Congress. Um, so for me, it, it, I'm all over the place, although like I lean much smaller government, but in places we do need to grow it a little bit to give it bigger capacity. Um, but it's funny because I, I always thought I would become more conservative over time, but I haven't. <laughs> right. Like everything you said was probably me about two years ago. And I've gotten more radical, <laughs> which I don't know. Yeah, I understand like, I'm, that. I'm 30 years old. Like, I'm supposed to be, like, uh, you know, moving towards the center, I think. But it's just not happening. It's just not happening that way. Like, I'm getting more and more radical as the years go on. Hey, oh, by the way, a lot of people don't know this. Governor Ducey, uh, born and raised in my hometown, Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. that I knew he was from Ohio. I didn't know what town. Yeah. He, he's the greatest. Yeah, you guys are, like, buddies. Yeah, he's just a nice person. And it's not just me. It's not like, you know, we're just like special or I'm special and like governors just love me. He He's a really, really nice guy. Um, He knew one of my younger friends for years. And she said she always told me you have to check this guy out. He's going to 
going to be amazing. I'm like, I don't know, we'll see. Because she wasn't as much of a policy dork as am I. But I just loved his stuff. And he always saw my tweets, and we've just become friends over the years. Um, he asks me for advice, but he asks lots of people for advice. And that's something that I really wish more people would do. Um, but he's also just, beyond being a really, really good governor, he's just a nice nicest and most wholesome person he's so sweet and he's always like you know sending me encouragement or just being really nice um it, it's just heartening to have people like that leading government you know people who are genuinely good and work really hard um you know we'll sit down and have conversations on like every policy area and he'll send me home with homework <laughs> to get him some policy ideas so his team can run through it but it, he always really looks deep into everything it, it's never a knee-jerk reaction for him um and what i wouldn't give for him to be every governor and the president and like most of congress <laughs> hey, he, he's a young man i think he uh you know and he he what run re-election by 20 points or something uh the same year that oh yeah that kirsten cinema democrat won statewide as well so that and that you know i think he's got a, a bright future and i could definitely see him running for president at some point it, it's funny that you uh you went to um kind of a, a list of politicians that you kind of CII with on things too. Like I, I hardly ever even think in those terms. I used to, and I just I can't. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? Because it's like there isn't anybody out there. Like I, it, it's funny. I, uh, <laughs> I'm just going off on random rabbit trails right now. But uh, we were talking about. Uh, I was I was talking with Remzo Martinez on my last podcast last Wednesday about how the only thing that surprised me that uh, what's his name Joe Biden's son uh, Hunter Biden. The story came out of him smoking crack with hookers at a strip club in oh D.C. My gosh. And like the only thing that surprised me about that story was that he was smoking crack because I expect all <laughs> politicians and their families to be a bunch of degenerate monsters. So I'm like, hey, I, like, I totally get that. Doing drugs with hookers at a whorehouse. I, that seems totally reasonable <laughs> for a, a vice president's son. But he's a 50 year old millionaire. I know a lot of 50 year old yeah. millionaires. I know 50 year old white millionaires. I'm in the music business. I know a lot of like 50 year old white millionaire rock stars and they all do a lot of Coke, but they don't smoke crack. So the only thing that threw me off was that he was smoking. He reached for the crack pipe and not the normal cocaine. So like, look, like I really like Mike Lee. Like he's probably my favorite politician yeah. right now, yeah, but Hey, same. if it came out that he was smoking crack with, Hunter Biden at a whorehouse, I'd be like, yeah, hey, man, he's a politician. Like, I I probably should have seen that coming. You know, I just kind of expect the <laughs> worst out of all these people, including the people I really like. I know it's a very cynical way to look at the world, but I don't know. It's 2019. Here we are. <laughs> no, you'll end up more right than wrong. Uh, Mike Lee is very, very clean cut, though. He's a really good guy um, who doesn't do dumb stuff that much that I've heard of. You know, we, again, mild disagree with him plenty, but, um, but thankfully he is one who, like, is the things he says he is, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him or Romney or, you know, a lot of these guys to be uh, smoking smoking crack. Probably probably wouldn't happen. You know, it's funny. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, to I'm gonna be super annoying libertarian again. I apologize in advance. But, like, <laughs> when it comes to why I'm becoming more and more radical, like, especially on economics, is that, like, you know, reading mises and reading hayek and, and and all these guys it's it's hard to walk away without realizing the morality of free markets right like and, and yeah. i hate it i hate not but but it's like i i get bored i i don't want to debate whether the the top marginal tax rate should be reduced by five and a half percent or seven and a half percent like that's boring as shit to me like i don't care how about just abolish the income tax 
Uh, and because that's moral, because free markets are moral and central planning is not moral. Okay. <laughs> like it's hard for me to read Mises yeah. and not walk away with like a, a legitimate moral argument, uh, you know, that kind of outweighs the, the policy argument, if that makes any sense. And that's, that's not going to win me any debates. I realize that, <laughs> but that's, it's kind of, that's, what's been shaping my worldview lately, if that makes sense. No, I really do get that. And I tend to lean that way as well, but I know it doesn't shape you. So I have to find data that backs it up or doesn't, you know, I, I, it's never about confirmation bias. It's just about what, what's true and what works. So like having data to back that stuff up, I mean, like in my, in my dream world, we would be able to cut government little by little focusing over time. Like, okay, is this not working? I mean, even take healthcare as an example. There's so many problems there. Like people don't realize all the regulations that stop people from getting good healthcare. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a tale as old as time where there's like a the, the North Carolina dental case where basically they're like, oh, oh, you can't whiten teeth. Only dentists can whiten teeth. And it's like, <laughs> what? You can whiten teeth at home. So stuff like that, little things that make a big difference or even allowing nurses to do more, everything they're, they're qualified and trained to. You can't focus on getting the perfect um, while which is unachievable and letting go of the good. You know, doctor wait times would be a lot lower nurses would make more um doctors would probably make close to the same honestly because they they'd still be seeing patients just less wait time more follow-up stuff like that um and you know like stuff like the medical device tax that that kind of brought it into people's realm but there's so much more that we could do that evidence shows we can just reduce these regulatory barriers and it would save people a lot of money and make people safer and healthier um, and I think about that a lot when we think about like Medicare spending or like, you know, entitlement spending. It's like, well, why are we just throwing money down the drain to subsidize stuff that we're regulating in dumb ways? It, it, it gets so idiotic. So for me, it's about like, hey, look at this thing. Why don't we stop doing this thing? This will solve these other things. And then we'll go from there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I definitely agree with that. Well, a couple couple more questions before I let you go. Um, yeah. Because I, I feel like we've established that my ideology is a little bit more extreme and ridiculous than yours. So actually <laughs> argue against what you usually argue for, because like I, I'm I was trying to think of like industries that should require occupational licensing. And like, you know, like aside from uh, you can say like a surgeon or whatever, a physician or a lawyer, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't really think, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I would disagree with with legal professions. I think you should be able to just be an intern yeah. or a lawyer and just learn the ropes and just do it yourself. But so like I I don't I don't know if there is any industry that I would endorse occupational licensing. But like change my mind on that. Like bring me towards the center a little bit. Like what are a couple instances where you feel like occupational licensing is a good thing and effective and necessary? I mean, like we've seen unlicensed doctor clinics, you know, right. know cause real harm. Right, so I'm, right. I'm really comfortable there. There's evidence that shows that when someone's got a licensed doctor, bad stuff can happen. So there, I'm, I'm comfortable. With lawyers, though, like lots of lawyers suck and lots of great people can't be lawyers because they don't have a degree. Like right. at the very least, there should be lots of paths to, to licensure, like you're saying, like apprenticeship or like studying on your own, like Kim Kardashian's doing. I don't think the bar is a sensible test either. Um, beyond that, I'm kind of open. Like if, for me, it's just all about the data. Just, you know, um, also is, is the license the best way to, um, what's it called? Um, is licensure the best way to do it? Like, you know, we always complain about, or cosmetologists constantly complain, um, 
about um about like oh there's all these uh, health inf- infections and people's toenails are getting infected and you know all these problems but yeah that's why licensed cosmet- a cosmetologist health inspections make more sense and that's public right now but I would be open to you know private companies creating their own health inspections um and and you know it's just mandatory they have something like that if not by the government. Um, I, I think there's a lot of ways where we could, if not get rid of it, minimize it. But I, I think for all of it, it just has to be done with evidence over time and testing different systems. That's what the states are supposed to do with laboratories of democracy. And we lose that when they keep giving stuff up to the federal government. So we don't have comparable data to figure out how stuff works. Um, but I mean, with doctors, that's definitely a thing we need to have licensed. But beneath that, there's there's for the most part, even with doctors, there's maybe moderate rooms for reform, but really, really moderate. Um, but yeah, like uh, unlicensed um, doctors, like constantly create problems and that shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> right. You, you end up with like a Kermit Gosnell kind of situation with, you know, dead babies yeah. and jars and stuff like that. Yeah. Very, uh, some creepy stuff can happen. I, I guess I would, I will concede that point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there, um, you know, before doctors were licensed, of course, there were good ones and bad ones. But now it really tends to be that the good ones are the licensed ones. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> okay, one more question before I let you go. Why do uh, why do these weird, creepy ass dudes keep messing with you and other young women in the world of politics on social media? It's like, oh, let me put it this way: my brother is a stand-up comedian, and it's hilarious that hecklers think they can get one over on like a oh, comedian. Yeah. yeah like my brother is a professional wordsmith like if you heckle him when he's on stage he will <laughs> fuck you up okay like he's much better at this than you and obviously i don't know why these these people think that they can get one over on you because you're gonna fucking roast them and it's gonna be hilarious but they keep doing it and i don't really i don't really get it i don't know why so, like, there's a bunch of different categories. There's the spam bots, or they're not really bots. They're, like, basically uh, Nigerian prince scammers right, for right. the modern age. That's a significant portion of it. I haven't had a chance to mess with as many of them lately. I've just been busy. But, um, so you have those. Then you have the guys who are just, like, mad at all women. And, like, I'm a <laughs> chill person who doesn't give two fucks. And they're, they get mad at women like that. Then there's the ones who are particularly mad at me. Um, and a lot of those are because they disagree with me and don't have the balls like be an adult and then there's the ones who um are really specifically mad at me because i won't go out with them and deny them i had one guy months ago who kept dming me oh my gosh you're so hot and all this shit and i'm like dude you know take it down a notch and i stopped replying because it was it was getting a little bit much i i didn't like it um and and sometimes they just don't take no for an answer so i i like backed off and then he started heckling me online you know on a on on in my mentions so i retweeted him after like the fourth time of him doing it um and said oh it's cute how you call me hot in my dms and then try to troll me and then he blocked me even though he was like asked me out and i said no the retaliation thing is, is a real thing and it's psychotic like i don't know if i like a guy and he's not into me i'm like oh okay like whatever well i probably still like him as a person for all the reasons i was interested in him these people take it as a personal affront in a psychotic way um, there's also just people who are just mentally unwell. Like I've had this guy recently, um, Twitter finally blocked him, but I have all these um, monitoring things for him because we, uh, me and a couple of other women were being creeped out by him. And we're just like, this is a lot. Like we, 
we know when something's up and it's, it's not just a normal troll. Um, and he was like tweeting about my spider web womb, like whatever. I'm like, okay, like, sure. Like do what you want. Yeah. But, um, but he, he, yeah, he like, we knew something was off there. And like, I, at first people were like, oh, they're just using his picture to troll you. It's, it's different people. But he had made some videos and we're like, okay, this is the real guy. So we got a group chat together to kind of figure it out. Normally it doesn't rise to that level lately it has and it's I don't even care that much it's just a pain because I'm like I don't want to die this way so I need to take care of this but I don't really care so someone forced me to like I don't know like go contact like the authorities or whatever but um but yeah it's all different kinds of stuff mostly different psychoses um and stuff like that this guy I wish he had family or something but yeah most of these people are just mad they're not getting laid sometimes not getting laid by me so you know Oh, well, that's another reason why I'm glad I'm a dude. I don't really have to... Like, I'm the singer in a rock and roll band, so I do get, like, some some weird women. But it's, like, in person at shows, not, like, you know, being trolled on the internet. And then also, like, I've been married for nine years, and so I got married in 2010. That was kind of before... That's awesome. That was before Twitter was a thing, and that was before social media was, like, important. So, like, I when I was dating and stuff, I never had to worry about, like social media like that was never a part of like my life at all thank god so yeah like, I, no like, uh, man it, it seems stressful terrible. my goodness yeah my dating life is pretty much like mixed with it's like half passive aggressive guys who are mad i'm not into them um <laughs> and then half passive aggressive guys who can't make up their mind and i'm just it's like i don't i'm tired i don't have time for this this is stupid i'm gonna go do licensing reform on hiking like i just can't put up with this shit yeah, so I, I worry about the future generation if there's going to be one. <laughs> it's like they've like completely lost the ability to interact with other human beings in person. It's like they, they like it's like we're we're de devolving in some way. Like it's I don't know. Yeah. It is kind of disturbing. No, I I agree. You know, even the way people argue online, it's like people forget that other people are people. Um, which is why it, it usually takes a lot before I drag someone, but lots of people get to that level and I'm like, dude, like suck it. Like I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shoshana, um, thank you for putting up with my scatterbrained, ridiculous podcasting style. I appreciate it. And this was a lot of fun and we definitely have to do it again. Um, hopefully you'll come back on soon. Uh, before I let you go, where can everybody follow you online? Where, where can everybody read your stuff and check out, uh, RSI and keep in touch and not be creepy and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks so much for having me. Um, you can go to rstreet.org or follow our street on Twitter. I'm at Senator Shoshana and our street is at RSI. All our stuff goes on all those places. <laughs> all right, everybody check out RSI. They're really doing the Lord's work over there. Everybody follow Shoshana on Twitter. She's great. Hopefully she'll be back on very, very soon. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Uh-huh.